One month ago this morning, I had the terrifying privilege of sitting in a hospital room with a soldier of mine and his family. Um, They had just lost their one-year-old child. And this young family was devastated and wrecked. I was too, you know. And I couldn't sit there with the family that morning and say, everything is going to be okay. Because, well, what proof, what better proof do we need that our world is just filled with brokenness and hurt and pain than that right there? And I sat there with the family mourning for a couple hours. And I was with them mourning how this young child would never be able to do so many things, never be able to experience so many joys. And the father turned to me at one point and he said, how do I even begin to pick up the pieces? He wasn't asking for an answer of how to make everything perfect and everything okay in that moment. There's no answer for that. He was sharing his deepest need in that moment for just some glimmer of hope in the storm. Just give me some good news, Jake. Thankfully, I know some good news. And this isn't to share like tooting my horn at all. This is by the power of the Spirit. And I knew the gravity of that moment. And I knew the danger of giving like a Christianese crass answer and how that could do more harm than good. But I said something like this, something to this extent. I said, the God I know is a God of love. And Jesus loves them deeply and Jesus loves this little child deeply. And the only hope that is strong enough to build upon, to pick up the pieces and build them on, is a hope in God, in this God. And we take hope in this, that this very God was now holding their little child in His warm embrace as His child. And this was about as good a news in that moment as I think they could hear. And it's going to be a really long road with them. This didn't fix it to hear that news. But there was good news in that moment that went somewhere deep. And this is the truth this morning, that no matter how bad the news is in our world, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is good news that changes everything. This summer we're going to go all out and we're going to be a full gospel church. That might need some unpacking though, right? You're like, what does that mean? Where is this going, Jake? That's a word with a lot of baggage and uh, a lot of different uses. The gospel. So you mean like we're going to be really like fiery style preaching, right? With some altar calls, maybe a little bit coercive at times, a little uncomfortable potentially. That's not what I mean, thankfully. The gospel, the gospel. Oh, you mean like we're going to be doing some gospel music this summer. Now, I love gospel music. Kirk Franklin, brilliant. Check him out if you haven't already. But over the past hundred years, our church is still working on the clapping thing. We're getting there. We're getting there. Maybe someday we'll make it, okay? The frozen chosen, if it's us, right? 
the Gospels. So you mean like the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, we're just going to do all four? No, 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 we're not going to do that either. You might be thinking, come on, the Gospel, that, you just mean like the basics of the faith, right? Oh, I mean, like I could see doing one week of that, but nine weeks? You probably heard me say that as I did the announcements, like nine weeks of this. Whew. We're not going to go like this is just surface level, right? What does this gospel word even mean? With all of this baggage, what's the picture that we have of the gospel? It's a boring, same old story that's, if anything, a depressing offer of self-help advice. Have you tried some gospel? You know, like, have you tried the lo mein? Have you tried the gospel? It's pretty good. Right, and isn't that how our world responds to that word too? Think about your neighbors, friends, family, or coworkers who don't know Jesus. Think about the ones who seem like they are totally happy, okay? Totally satisfied. The ones who maybe volunteer more than you do, who maybe are nicer than you, who are more generous. The question is, does the gospel have anything to say to them? Dave Kinnaman and Gabe Lyons are two uh, researchers who who I've done quite a bit of research in studying how um, non-Christians view Christians. And some of the key things they pulled out is that they view Christians as judgmental, hypocritical, boring, and pushy at times with their faith. And the gospel's been thrown into this self-help worldview. It's something you can try. People think of it as a system of religion or a system of morality. But does anybody think of it as news? Right? News, like, like new? Because that's what the gospel is. When you see this word gospel, this is an old English word that came from two words that got smushed together. Good and spell. Good meaning good. And spell meaning like an announcement of something. We don't use it the same way anymore, but an announcement or news. The original Greek word, evangelion, where we get the word evangelical or evangelizing all it means is just the good news announcement but speaking of words that got some baggage right now news i'm not going to go there at all in any way shape or form and to avoid that i went straight to the dictionary that is just like middle of the road ready to go and Miriam Webster gave me this. This is what punched out for me. News is a report of events of previously unknown information that has a specific influence or effect. What is it saying? It's saying news is that something has happened and things are different now. It changes everything. And this summer, we're going to spend the next nine weeks soaking in the good news. And this is the question. And we can't get lost this morning and zone out thinking, we've seen all there is to see of the gospel. Because this is the question that should really cause us to stop and think. Is the gospel really good news? Is the good news of the gospel good enough to change everything for for you in your life? And do you know how newsworthy it is? The gospel meets our every need every need that you and I, our loved ones, our neighbors, our city, and our world have, that they could ever have. And that's not an exaggeration. Six different preachers will be preaching over the next nine weeks from our church body, and we'll be uncovering from across the Bible the beauty 
in the metaphors and the doorways into seeing the gospel, seeing the good news and what makes it so good and what makes it so newsworthy. And this week we're going to begin by hearing from the Apostle Paul through his letter to a young church in Colossians. There's a lot here, but I want you to pay attention this morning to where you see good news. Pay attention to that. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 953. We're going to be studying Colossians 1, 1 through 23. On your pew Bibles, it's page 953. Also be putting it on the screen if you don't have a Bible this morning. As I said, pay attention to where you see good news. Colossians 1, hear the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you've already heard in the true message of the good news that has come to you. And in the same way, the good news is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. And if you continue in your faith, establish and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the good news, this is the good news that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. The word of the Lord. So the gospel is good news. But if I was to ask us here what the gospel is, I'd probably get like 10 different answers or more. And there's a reason for this. Think of the gospel like a room, a big circular room with many doors leading into it. 
And the gospel is the center of that room. The doors themselves aren't the gospel. But they're doorways, paths, to open up and see the beauty that is the center. We often mistake the doorways for the center, but there is a center, and did you hear it in the text? It's concrete. Did you hear what happened? Something amazing. Did you catch it? Paul says, the good news, the gospel is a true message. It has happened. And it's something that this little church in Colossae has heard. It's come to them audibly, and they've heard it. And they heard it from this guy, Epaphras. And we only, he's only mentioned a couple times in Scripture. He's not a very important character. All we know is that he's part of Paul's missionary team. He's gone to this place, and he said, I've got news. And now there's a church that have gathered their whole lives and reoriented it around the fact that some news has come to them. So what do we see? The gospel is an event. It's, the gospel is news about a true event. And when we say this gospel word or the good news phrase, we are referring to a news headline. Think of it like on a TV screen, coming across the bottom of your screen. Breaking news. So what's happened? God in the person of Jesus came to the earth He died on the cross and rose again from the dead. The central event of the gospel is this, the good and true story, the good and true account that God in the person of Jesus came to the earth, that He died on the cross, and that He rose again from the dead. This is the center, the middle of the room, but why do we care? And this is a very real question, right? Because it, back in the first century AD, there were over a thousand Jewish men that were put on crosses and were killed by the Romans. Why does Jesus matter? Why is this good news? I still haven't answered that question. What makes the gospel event good news? Well, to get there, we first got to understand how the pieces of our world are broken and they're scattered on the ground. And I'm going to have to give you some really bad news this morning. I got some bad news. Did you see it in our text? We are in the dominion of darkness, under the rule and authority of lawlessness, evil, Hate, murder, jealousy, deceit, addiction, and terror. What's more than that? Paul continues. He says, You were alienated from God and enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. God being the one who's created everything, who sustains all things, holds it all together. We're not only separated, but we are enemies of this God in how we think and how we act and Paul spells this out even more clearly. He's got another letter to a church in, in Rome. And this is what he's got to say. It's hard. There is no one righteous. No, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There's no one who does good. Not even one. 
for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do you know how bad this news is? It's bad. The only thing, the only one who satisfies, the only one who brings peace and fulfillment and joy is the God who made us to be in relationship with Him. Like Adam and Eve walking with God in the garden in the cool of the day. But now we're alienated, separated from God because of the way we think, the way we act. We're born into sin. And you know how bad this news is. Lee and I find um, very little TV or movies that we mutually enjoy. Um, it's a struggle in our household. I like shows with, or movies with conflicting characters, broken characters, with drama, uncertainty. I like a good cliffhanger ending that doesn't have any resolution at all. I like that. My lovely wife doesn't like any scary movies. And by scary, I mean if there's any sort of drama at all. <laughs> she likes a good comedy, like, you know, lighthearted, fun movies. And you better believe it's got to have a happy ending or else it's terrible. So we've settled on a couple areas. Documentaries, comedies, westerns, but not the spaghetti westerns, like the John Wayne damsel in distress, like fun westerns, ketchup blood. And food shows. I like food. I like food a lot. So we really enjoyed Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown. We really enjoyed that show. It's one of the few ones we could actually enjoy together. Anthony Bourdain is this incredibly talented chef. He traveled the world. He tasted the best food in the world. Michelin Award winners. He saw the most beautiful places. And he had his own show where he gets to do this and it's all paid for. And he shared the stories of disenfranchised people. And he shed light on the goodness of humanity. And he came across as this total believer in humanism. That, that the beauty in humanity. But sometimes he would hint at these like past demons or hurts in the show. And sometimes he would ask questions that displayed a longing for something more. And as many of you know, the really sad news, about a month ago, he committed suicide. And Lee and I, we, we heard the news, we're, both, we're, we're a little upset about it. I mean, it was just really sad. You think, how? Like, why? He's got a young child. And like, on the outside, it looks like everything's good and right. And suicide is on the rise, like frighteningly so. And we hear the solution is mental health and counseling. And I'm the biggest believer in counseling and mental health work. It's, it's incredibly important and does a great job. But I've sat with scores of soldiers and students and individuals as they've contemplated ending their life. And the deepest need I've heard over and over and over again is the feeling of being alone, without purpose, without fulfillment, without peace and joy. And that's not simply a behavioral need. That's a spiritual need. There's a God-shaped hole in our lives that we know is only filled by one thing, one person. And the bad news is that we're alienated from the one we need, our God. And the world looks at this life and places all its hope in a long life, in gaining as much wealth as possible, and things. And we look around and see, like, there's something missing, right? 
And when you take a step back and see more and more, the world is in chaos. It's in anarchy and slavery alone, homeless and without hope. And like the soldier and his family that I mentioned at the beginning who lost their child, how can there be hope in the midst of the worst possible news? A moment like that, just it destroys the mirage of the good life, right? You can find true happiness in a long life and more money and nice things. We live in a world under the dominion of darkness, alienated from the one we need. You say, that's enough bad news, Jake, okay? Where is the good news? The good news is God acted and everything has changed. Everything has changed. The gospel event is that God acted. And can't you hear Apostle Paul like a herald, like a town crier in the ancient world, standing up in the middle of of the big forum and saying, I've got breaking news and everything is different. Everything changes because of this. Jesus came, he died, he rose again. It's like the front page of a newspaper, trending on Twitter. It is breaking news. Because God acted, he came in the person of Jesus. He died on the cross and rose again from the dead and he's the king. He's King Jesus, Christ Jesus. God himself has come, he's died and he's risen again. This is the good news. In fact, it's good news that changes everything. Because the worst bad news, the biggest problem you will ever hear or ever know, way upstream is our rebellion and our broken relationship with God. And so Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is the best good news. It's the best good news you'll ever hear. It's the biggest, most important moment in human history. Because the result of it, everything is different. When it seemed like there was no hope of filling that God-shaped hole, of fixing a relationship with God, God acted. Jesus did everything. He paid the price. He paved the way. He gave us new life. Hallelujah. And this, is that hyperbole? No. No, it's not. Everything has changed. It's like, well, what's changed, though? You said nothing concrete, Jake. And this is what this series is all about. The good news is simple. Jesus came. He died. He rose again. But the question is, why is this good? Like, why is this significant to me? And what makes this news? The Bible tells us there are images, there are metaphors, doorways into seeing the beauty of the center, the good news. And anyone who's met or put their faith in Jesus Christ has heard the good news through one or more of these doorways. And I've I've heard some of these from you people, and I'm, I'm so thankful to be able to know those stories of the doorways that brought you in to see the beauty of the gospel event. Did you see them here in the text? Paul goes nuts here. For the teenager whose best friend dies who looks at life and all they see is uncertainty and turmoil and chaos, you better believe the good news that Jesus has rescued them and given them a strong foundation to cling to for hope that they can be certain of that that's good news. For the young girl at the open door who's never known the love of a family, whose parents have abandoned them, 
who's always longed for a place of feeling like they belong. Good news, that they're not alone. That God has adopted them. Even more than that, he's made them an heir. No strings attached. When we see all the shortcomings of our life, disappointment and failure, the good news is that God has made us perfect in our weakness. That he has redeemed our broken lives and forgiven us. When all we long for is the embrace of being fully known by the one that we truly need, the good news is that God has made a way to be in intimate relationship with him today and forever. How about for the man who spent years in prison to be let out of jail to only find that everywhere he goes, as he searches for a job, as he tries to find a home, that all people see is a criminal record. All they see is a felon. The good news that God truly makes us new, that we're a new creation, and that a crazy rabble of people can gather together and the one thing that we see in each other is Jesus Christ and the Spirit at work in their lives, we better believe the good news of a new creation is good, good news. We know the depths of addiction, of bondage to sin, bondage to drugs, to alcohol, to pornography, to people pleasing. The good news that God has truly set us free is powerful. When our sin and shame and guilt are ever before us, the good news is that God, our righteous judge, stands there and says, you are innocent. And when we see no hope at the end of our days, the good news is that God has made us holy and he's preparing us for a future glory. What's changed? Everything. No matter how bad the news looks for our world, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is good news that changes everything. So where do we go from here? What do we take away? This is a good news response. See the icon in the corner. For us here, we live in bad news and we want to know what can change our world. Where is good news to fix that which is most important? Way upstream. The fact that we have a need that only God can heal. And a lifetime of church attendance doesn't fix it. An incredible knowledge of Scripture doesn't fix it. A lifetime of moral living doesn't fix it. There's only two categories of sinners in this life. It's the guilty and the forgiven. And the only thing that distinguishes the difference between the two is where you put your hope. In the action of God, in Jesus Christ, in the good news of God, or in yourself. Have you seen all the beauty of the good news yet? We've got to think through afresh this morning what the gospel means. It's like manna for the Israelites in the wilderness. They went and gathered their manna for the day, and the next day they've got to get new stuff because it's, it's, it's no good anymore. Each day we gather to receive from God the freshness of the good news. You don't ever have a complete grasp on all the beauty of the good news. I don't. Tim doesn't. I would argue the Apostle Paul didn't. Because the good news is good news every day, in every situation. For me, the metaphor of the doorway of being set free was powerful. It was beauty. It was the best news I had ever heard. I don't have a clue yet, I don't think, about adoption. I don't know what that's like. I have loving parents. I don't, I don't, know, I don't have a clue in the same way that somebody who grew up without parents 
knows that so deep in their soul. And this summer, we want to open up all of these metaphors for you. We want to dig in deep. You never, never, never outgrow your need for the gospel. Don't hear the word gospel and say, that's how you get saved and we're going to grow by something else, something different. We never outgrow our need for the power and the impact of the good news of the event of the gospel. So I encourage you, get excited for what's to come. This summer, it's our intention to expose you the good news again, and maybe in a way that you've never thought about before. We want the gospel to change everything for you, but we also want it to change everything for our world. And this is the beauty in my mind, the real big beauty of the gospel metaphors. Paul lists a bunch here because he knows that in this church in Colossae, these different images mean different things to different people and they hit home in ways that were the best possible news you could ever hear to those people who sat there. They speak to the very real underlying needs that we have. The worst bad news you got in your life, they speak to those places and there's a doorway for every person in every situation. But you know what that means for us? That means there's no canned answer. There's no recited gospel that's ready to go that's going to speak the good news in that moment in the perfect way. So what do we have to do? We have to listen. We have to learn how to take the posture of being listeners to our neighbors, listeners to our world, hear their needs, hear their deepest needs, and know that the good news event, the gospel event, speaks truth there. It speaks goodness. It is the best possible news to them in that moment. And this is why we exist as a church, right? To communicate the gospel in a relevant way. It's one of the reasons, one of the things we're committed to as a church. It's one of our distinctives. Sending. I'm going to read it right for you. Sending. We believe that all Christians are sent in the world to serve the spiritual and practical needs of your neighbors for the sake of the gospel. Therefore, we strive to communicate the gospel in relevant ways to people in our community. We strive to listen and hear what is the relevant way that the good news speaks truth, it speaks goodness, and it's the best possible news to them. You'll listen hard to their cries. Like the soldier that I sat with in the worst possible news, they were longing to know the good news that God truly makes us his children, the good news of adoption. I think it spoke words and spoke volumes to them. The church needs to recover its nerve and talk about the good news once more as good news. It's not good advice. It's as good, good news as possible. And it will appear bizarre to some and shocking to others, but it will carry, as always, the salvation and wise power and the love of the one God. This morning, this is our big idea. No matter how bad the news looks for our world, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is good news that changes everything. The central event of the gospel is that Jesus came, he died, and he rose again from the dead. He did this to forever defeat the dominion of darkness, to forever bridge the gap of alienation with God. He reigns as king, and he brings all things into his glorious light, even us. I'm going to finish this morning just by sharing, I think um, John Piper just captures this all beautifully. And he's, for me and my own story, how the good news came and captured me, it was the best news ever. Piper had a little bit to play there, so I want to quote him. 
the gospel perfectly applied is perfectly suited to meet our every need. And that's why the Bible is so thick. Because there are so many needs that you and I have. And there are suitable places where the gospel is unfolded for you. So that when you immerse yourself in this book, always with an eye to see what Christ has accomplished for you, he's got good news for you. Your every need. No matter how bad the news looks for our world, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is good news that changes everything. Hallelujah. Glory be to God.